The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best move. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am cruel. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, it can be exactly what you need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, gentlemen, online and ready. Welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the Intrepid Trio, Kylan, Eric, and myself, Mike. And guys, I have a special treat for us in the lair tonight. Is it a pony? No. Is it free ice cream? Because I love that. No, it's even better. We have a guest who is doing an audiobook, who has released an audiobook of my favorite Star Wars Marvel character. Dude, Howard the Duck is not Star Wars. No, I'm talking Dr. Afra. Oh! And the author of that audiobook is Sarah Kuhn, how is everyone doing tonight? Oh, good. Awesome. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for having me on. I was told there was free ice cream, though. Did Fury send out a memo that we <laughs> we missed? No, there's a soft serve machine that was like dropped like through the, the top of the, the volcano. And so I thought that we were having ice cream. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's the one that used to be in a McDonald's. Dude, you should have known it wasn't going to work. Oh. Hey, Thursday, do you know anything about this? Affirmative. Why is it I'm out of the loop? <laughs> All right. Anyway, we are talking with Sarah Coon. You may know her from her previous works, um, which I had right here. Hero, Heroin Complex, series of novels that she has done about um, starring Asian-American superheroines, which this has really got my interest. I'm going to have to go back and read. Um, also, too, she kind of did some work for that other company with a uh, bat chick or something. <laughs> Um, and I kid, uh, she worked on a Batgirl, Cassandra Cain graphic novel for DC Comics. Um, but the important thing is, and what we're going to talk to her about is her current project that just released last week. That's the mm-hmm. Dr. Afra audio drama. And I say audio, yep. 
audio drama because this is kind of the way I like my audiobooks in that dramatized format. Because uh, I, I, love, I love the old radio dramas and I love some of the earlier Star Wars books where this was the same way. Um, so when Dooku came out, I loved it for the same reason. So first off, why was Dr. Afford chosen to be done as a audio drama before we get into what the book's about? Oh, are you asking me? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I actually, I don't totally know. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I came into it after that decision had been made. Um, but, you know, I, if, if I were to speculate, I, I think it's it's mostly because she's awesome. And I think, um, you know, there was maybe, again, just speculating, but there was maybe a desire to kind of bring her to some new fans who perhaps missed her appearances in the comics or missed that she had her own comic series or maybe didn't even know who she was. Um, I think there was perhaps a feeling that she would translate very well to a lot of mediums um, and that it might be fun for people to actually hear her voice. Well, I will say I have not a problem knowing who she is. <laughs> <laughs> then I have her carded because I have her vintage card when she won the fan poll for Hasbro for the vintage collection. I have her carded on the wall and I have her six inch figure in my display cabinet. Very nice. Um, I, these guys will tell you, I love Dr. Afra. I <laughs> fell in love with her when she was introduced by Karen Gillian in the Darth Vader series. And I, and I love her droids, too, Trips and BT. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us a little bit about the book before we really delve into <laughs> everything that went on. Yeah. Um, well, it is an adaptation of that first appearance you just mentioned from the Darth Vader series by Kieran Gillen and Salvador La Roca. And it kind of takes us through, uh, I guess, what would be considered like her big beginning arc. It starts there when she is uh, hunted down and recruited for by Darth Vader to work with him for some mysterious grand plan that, you know, she doesn't she doesn't really know exactly what it is yet. And then it kind of takes us through her adventures working with him up until the moment they do not work together, which I don't I don't really know if that's a, a spoiler at this point. I feel like the comic story's been around for, you know, a few years at this point. But uh, yes, that is essentially it. And it, it takes that adventure and we adapted it and expanded it so that it is all from her point of view um, because that first comic series was called Darth Vader. It was not called Afra. Right. And, you know, just we kind of wanted to, to give people an idea of how she was experiencing these events, how she would tell them what were some things that were happening maybe when she was not on the page. Um, and then, of course, I wanted to delve into her backstory and some other things that maybe we didn't get a chance to really explore in that first uh, Darth Vader arc. So that was kind of the, the big idea there. So since you mentioned an adaptation, how much or how many issues into uh, that first Vader series by Karen Gillian did you go? I mean, it's is this covering? Because I'll, I'll admit, I thought I had the whole book listened to until <laughs> I realized I didn't get all the um, all the chapters loaded onto my <laughs> iPod. So I'm I'm stuck at uh, Naboo with the torture, oh, or yeah, yeah. with Trips doing um, his torture. 
So yes. I'm, I'm at like a cliffhanger. I'm like, okay, where's the next part? Where's the next part? Yeah, um, there is there's definitely more after that. I do not remember the exact issues we covered um, because then, of course, there were like some crossovers with the main Star Wars series. A little bit of that got in yeah. there. Uh, but we basically took uh, all of her pieces kind of from that that first arc, which is interesting because there are also, you know, pieces of the Darth Vader comic where she's she's not there. She's not in them. So we right, obviously right. not so much dramatized those as, you know, what she was doing while she was not there, while she was not seen on the page. Um, but, yeah, I don't remember the exact issue numbers. Um, I do remember that in rereading them, um, we had to go through a few of the um, the collected editions. I, I had not read the series really since it had first debuted. Um, and so, yeah, it was like we, we kind of had to like take all of those pieces and, and put them all together. So you were a fan of the series before you, you got this assignment? Oh, yeah. I was a huge fan of um, I mean, I, I love Karen Gillan's writing. I love Salvador LaRocca's art. Like, I loved all of it. And I love, you know, like a lot of people, <laughs> I love Star Wars. Um, and she was a character that I really loved from the start just because I feel like she she appears on that page and you just kind of can't not look at her. She has this immediate energy that kind of grabs you by the throat. It's really amazing. It's really visceral. I loved everything about it. And, you know, I am an Asian-American lady, mixed race Asian-American lady, and I have not seen, uh, there are more now, but I, especially at that point, had not seen a lot of faces that looked like mine in Star Wars. So that was really one of the the first times. And, you know, it was a a special bonus that she was also just a really, really awesome character. Agreed. Now, I will say originally... Um, for me, and I think Eric was the same way because of, and I'm going to let him tell his story about this from Celebration when we met with uh, Jordan Jordan White. Um, she, if she was to be played on screen, I would love to see Chloe Bennett play her because to me, I think she's got the look just like Afra with the initial drawings. Originally, she doesn't come across looking Asian on some angles, but then after you you, you just watch a little bit more, you, you do see it. It, and it's the same way with Chloe Bennett. I mean, she's got that Asian background until you you realize, oh, she is Asian. You don't you don't see it initially. Um, I would disagree with that. Okay. Um, I broke down just because I am a mixed Asian lady, and you know that is something that I think is perhaps a bit of a struggle for a lot of us who are mixed. And I, I think that it's a little bit weird to say someone doesn't look Asian because maybe they don't look like what people's idea of of Asian is or what people have in their mind is like this is what an Asian person looks like looks like we all look very different and because also because I'm mixed race I'm kind of always looking for it um so as soon as I saw Chloe Bennett I was like yeah she's she's like me she probably has heritage like me um uh, and same thing with Afra so I mean, I, I I mean no really I mean no offense no, 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 by it. I, it's just I, me just, looking at at the world as you know we're all the same I, and I think what might have thrown me with Chloe Bennett is the fact that she she changed her last name uh for a stage name 
Right. She did that so that, that, you know, because she wasn't getting auditions with her actual last name. She's talked a lot about that. Um, but I, I do think it, it sort of depends on the, the lens that you are used to looking through. I certainly see Asian American faces of all different kinds, you know, every day. Right. And also when I look in the mirror. So um, that is, that's something that is always, um, I think, immediately apparent to me, especially when someone is of mixed Asian descent. Okay. So how was this, how did this idea uh, get presented? Oh, to me? Um, yes. Well, uh, I got a phone call and it's like the phone call that you're always, you know, as a writer, you're waiting to get, at least I was, um, from my agent. And she said, hey, um, you have an offer for a Star Wars book. And I was I was like screaming. I was like, oh, my goodness. And then she was like, and it's for this character, Dr. Afra, And that <laughs> made it like, you know, even more amazing. Like it was sort of like the ice cream on top of ice cream. So I, um, you know, I, I think sometimes, you know, we're trying to play it cool. Like we don't want to seem like we're e- emailing back immediately or calling back immediately with lots of exclamation points. But I was just kind of like, yes, yes. Like tell them yes. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I started an email correspondence with Elizabeth Schaefer, who is my editor. And uh, she was amazing. And she kind of put it, just put it to both of us both me and my agent as yes yeah, so we want to basically kind of retell adapt whatever you want to call it expand upon um, her origin her you know when she was introduced in the comics so you know some of that story obviously is has already been laid out like there is kind of this roadmap for you to follow but we do want to expand this story so that it is about Afra. It's you know it's it's right. again it's not it's called Afra, not Darth Vader this time around. And um, so we talked quite a bit about that. Um, I had a phone call with Elizabeth and the producer Nick Martarelli, and uh, we kind of just talked about it. Like, okay, like first of all, how is this story being t- told? Who is telling it? Like. Who are we hearing from? You know, there were a couple of things we batted around. I think someone even said, like, is Triple Zero telling this story? Because he would probably have a really interesting uh, take on things. But I think that I and I, I think they both felt this way as well. Like, we really wanted it to be in her voice. You know, that was like one of the most exciting things about it is she has such a an interesting point of view and she is you know a pretty unreliable narrator which is always exciting for a writer to take on and so I was like yeah let's let's tell it in her voice let's be really really in her perspective and and all that entails and um, we just kind of went from there um, and it was really fun excellent so it sounds like your reaction to getting the phone call was not too different from Afro when Darth Vader showed up. <laughs> yes, that, that is correct. That is an excellent parallel. I mean, I was probably not as scared of getting murdered. I, I think that wasn't, you know, that wasn't a concern for me as maybe like it is for Afra uh, working for Darth Vader. But yeah, I, I jumped at the chance. I, w- I was just really excited. And, you know, I, I think the opportunity to take on a character you love like this is always going to be pretty, pretty thrilling. So you mentioned that the, uh, that, that this audiobook is an adaptation of what was already laid down in the comics. Uh, 
What was your biggest challenge doing that adaptation that you remember? Well, I think some of it is to make it feel like it is a cohesive whole rather than maybe something episodic. You know, comics, monthly comics by nature are very episodic. Like there is an overarching story that you're you're following along with. Um, And there certainly was that very grand epic story with Vader. Um, But again, since it was from his perspective, pulling out the part with Afra and putting them together, there was kind of a, you know, she she goes here and then she goes here and then she's doing this. And, you know, she's always doing a million things anyway. So um, there was kind of a challenge in figuring out uh, what brings this all together, what binds it, what is kind of the overarching story of of Afra that we're telling with this uh, story that has already been set up. Okay, so now I don't know if you could tell this, but so did they sit you down or did they tell you, okay, so here's a story, but here is her backstory or or did they just kind of give you the parameters of this is what you want, this is what we want you to play with, we want to see what you can do with that or did did they give you a frame of reference as far as who she is beyond what we know of her in the series? Um, they actually gave me a lot of room to play. There wasn't like the, the material that they, they wanted me to review was the, the original comic series that we were covering. Um, I did also reread her solo book, what, what, it, what there was of it up until that point. Um, mm-hmm. just so I could remind myself of, you know, sometimes I forget things that happened a day ago in my own life. So I was like, let me just remind myself of what's already there, like what's been established and um, there was just so, you know, there's so much great stuff. I mean, uh, all the stuff from her solo series is is so interesting. And there were p- kind of pieces of her backstory that I was like, oh, okay, like we can talk about that. We can talk about that. That's something that would drive the character. Um, and then I think the, the step after the phone call was I had to write up kind of a, an outline slash pitch document, like sort of a short, like, here is what the story is. Here are the, the things we're including um, from the comics. Here's how we kind of want to expand it. And so usually when I'm approaching something like this, when I'm approaching anything licensed, um, if there is already an established character, established framework, whatever it is, I sort of have to take a step back, especially if I'm a fan, because as I'm sure you all know, when we're fans, we can really kind of get into the weeds, um, into the minutia, into all of it. We love that stuff. Um, And I sort of have to take a step back and say, like, what is interesting to me about this in a big picture sense? What can I bring to it? What what kind of what is kind of a bigger story that I I can tell? And in this case, the thing there were kind of two things that unlocked it for me um, for what became that initial pitch. One was, um, you know, Kieran Gillen wrote all these great lines for her. And there was one in particular that was something like the way I live, the way I've lived, I know I'm lucky to be alive. And that I thought was so key to her character, because I think what is interesting, one of the things that's really interesting about her is she craves this chaos. She craves this adventure. She's always putting herself in danger. She runs towards it. But at the same time, she also has this hardwired in survival instinct that kind of came from girl you know having this rough childhood and being carted off to this desolate planet and 
really having to live every time. And so I thought that was really interesting that someone who's such a danger-seeking chaos monster also really tries at every point to live. And I, I wanted to explore that. And so that kind of gave me like that bigger idea. Um, and then, of course, because I always uh, zero in on whatever, you know, the romance is or the, the shipping or like whatever it is, like I get really excited about. And I wanted to also tell a story about her and Sanasaros because I felt like that relationship is so interesting. Yeah. And we see most of it after it's over and they hate each other. And I was like, well, what what was it like when they were like dating or when they first met or like, you know, what 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 was it like when they were like, a, 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 well, I don't know if you could call them a happy couple, but, you know, happier than they are now. <laughs> so that, that was that was a relationship I thought that I could explore a little bit that there was still a lot that maybe hadn't been dealt with or written about. It's like, you know, with something like this, sometimes you try to find your little patch of like what has not been told yet. Right. Um, and that, that was like an exciting element for me to explore. Yeah, I don't think the words happy couple would ever <laughs> would they ever try. be try. <laughs> as happy as Africa be. Yeah. <laughs> so so knowing that they were giving you the luxury of um, creating some of the backstory to make it canon even um, did you know that you wanted to touch on the origin of Sana and an Afro oh or, yeah or, or, or did they or was it something that you were going to anyway and you were just glad they <laughs> greenlit I mean it? I put like I put it in the pitch like I put it in the you know the pitch document when I wrote up like what is this story and um, I don't remember if I I think I did put in that there were flashbacks but I didn't I didn't necessarily at that point I, I wasn't sure exactly what they were um, but yeah, I put in the pitch document, uh, you know, I feel like when you're, you've been given the opportunity to do a pitch on something licensed, especially if they give you the parameters and then, you know, if, if there's not a parameter, you're like, oh, I, maybe I can play with that. So I, you know, I usually try to put everything I want <laughs> into the pitch and then see what happens. And I know sometimes I still say no. Um, but in this case, they really liked it and responded very positively. And so I was like, okay, I, this is cool. I, I can explore this thing that I was really interested in. How much, uh, I, this is about to sound really bad. Uh, how much pushback did you get from, like, say, the story group? Or were they, or, or more, I guess the, the better question would be how hands-on were they, uh, you know, depending on, you know, you can't go here or yeah, let's not pursue that. Oh, I mean, they were great. Like I, I, I you know, I, I, when I was writing this at first, cause like when you write the first draft, like it's just for you, no one's seeing it yet. And um, I was, you know, nervous. I was, in, you know, kind of intimidated. Um, and there were like a few things where I was like, oh, do I remember this piece of lore? Do I remember this, you know, specific thing correctly? Do I, you know, and um, Elizabeth was like, oh, don't worry. They, they, they will do a thorough lore review. And I was like, excellent. I love it. <laughs> like, I love it so much. And I can't wait to, you know, read any comments they leave and everything like that. 
but uh, no, they were very supportive. I, I don't think there was really any um, any quote unquote pushback on anything that I can recall. It was it was mostly things like that were super helpful that were like, um, I think at one point I had put like, I needed a reference to like a really cute animal. And I think I, I just threw in like porgs and they were like, oh, they don't, you know, we don't really know about porgs yet. Like they live, it's such a desolate, like, I don't remember exactly what they said, but it was like, no, you know, no porgs. And I was like, okay. So then I kept like cycling through like every cute creature that I know. I was like, what about this one? What about this one? And they were like, no, because no, because, and then I think finally um, someone was like, but here's one you can use that, <laughs> that is very, you know, is maybe not as well known but they are like known in the galaxy at this point for enough for Afra to make sort of a jokey passing reference. Um, and, you know, as another thing that I'm sure you can all relate to, as a nerd, I love that kind of minutia. Yeah. And I love that sort of like, like exploring of the minutia, like the fact that that was like a comment in like an official work document for me is like mind blowing. Like, I'm like, I can't believe I got to talk about like porgs in the comments of a book that was eventually published. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> so um, I just, you know, I, I really enjoyed everything um, that they they brought to it with this sort of detailed review and everything they did to help me. Yeah, they were they were wonderful. I am definitely adding this book to my daughter, to my 10-year-old daughter's iPhone. So she, or, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's actually, we don't have it connected, so it'll be an iPod Touch, but I'm adding it. We don't have cell service, so at the moment for it so she's treating it like an ipod but i'm adding it to her phone because i know she's gonna love this oh uh, i'm loving it um Thank you. and oh, abs- i gotta ask how how hard was it to write this in a script format as opposed to how you would write a book or was it fairly easy because you had some experience from the comic world and we know that's kind of done in a script format as well yeah, I mean, I do think that um, my experience writing in de- different mediums definitely helped. It was super interesting. And um, the producer that I mentioned before, Nick Martorelli, he was super helpful because I think he sent me um, kind of a list of like things to keep in mind for the, the specifically for the audio format, like before I started. So that was really helpful. Um, and it what it did feel like kind of a combination of different kinds of mediums. Like there's some there's some things that are kind of of prose like because you can't see anything so you have to if you there's a room you can't just see it like you do in a comic page you have to describe what that what that room looks like so it paints a picture for the viewer um, at the same time you have to be careful not to sort of weigh things down with too much description or observation or whatever it is because you still want to keep the story moving and mm-hmm. it was written in a in a script basically kind of a script format kind of a modified script format I guess um but it was it was just really interesting because it 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 was a way that isn't necessarily the way I'm totally used to thinking when I write something um like when I write a, a novel or whatever um but I really enjoyed how that sort of like made me look at the story in a different way um you know so like we did also uh after I think the first draft or so we we did get some notes back from audio that were like oh you know here consider this or consider that this is you know maybe kind of a long speech for someone to give you might need a little back and forth consider here that we might need you know some sound effects to to bring this part to life or like whatever it was so I really appreciated how 
how closely they they worked with me on that to make sure that um, it was like a full audio experience and didn't have anything that would stop the listener or distract the listener or just sounded like, you know, someone writing 300 pages of prose. So did you work any with the the voice talent that was involved with this? Because I, I will say, while I was listening to it, Triple Zero is like exactly the way <laughs> I pictured him in my head. I mean, almost a very <laughs> Tim Curry-esque quality. Yeah, um, that's, that's amazing to hear. I'm so happy to hear that because I know that like he was a very anticipated voice. Like people really yeah. wanted to know what, what he sounded like. And I did too, honestly. Um, No, I actually didn't really work with the voice talent. I didn't meet them until um, it was done pretty much. Um, I I actually didn't even know who was in the cast until I think before we did our uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Well, it's Comic-Con at home this year, but our Comic-Con panel, it was like, oh, and it's this person. I was like, oh, okay, awesome. Um, but no, Nick uh, Martorelli did most of that. I guess, you know, because of the, the current uh, world situation, everybody pretty much had to record in their houses separate from each other. Oh, wow. And, you know, yeah, like usually with something like this, like with Dooku or like with any other, you know, audio drama, everyone records at least somewhat together so that you can get that chemistry. You can get that like laying off of each other. And in this case, I guess um, Nick read all the other parts like opposite whoever he was recording with. And so he played all the roles. I think one of the jokes we started making was, you know, release the Martorelli cut because it's just like <laughs> all the voices. Um, but I thought that was amazing that they, that he was then able to put that together and really produce something that sounds seamless it sounds like they were together um yeah so i think the only time that two actors i think this is the only time two actors actually recorded together opposite each other was uh they were able to get emily wuzeller who plays afra and nicole lewis who plays sana staros uh together on a zoom call and I think they recorded some of the the Sana Afra, the Sana Afra scenes together to really get that chemistry. Okay, so this this is intriguing to hear that this book was all done over the internet on mm-hmm. Zoom calls, on Skype calls, <laughs> Microsoft Teams, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, no studio set up at all. Everything's home studios. It's almost like it was a podcast. <laughs> You guys could record your own audio drama, like of whatever you want. I called Buck. Uh, <laughs> uh, All right, Kyle. I called Buck Rubanzai. I called Buck Rubanzai. He was a carry. The Marvel did the comic adaptation back in the eighties. It counts. I was gonna there say we go. could we could do our own Marvel intrepid trio, Agents of Shield adventures. <laughs> you could. We, we, you we mean told. Star is us, <laughs> but we're not. That's a crazy. But we're not us. <laughs> That's the whole thing. We are characters. That's true. <laughs> so I, I go, Kyle. So did you have a moment like while you're writing this where you I don't know you had a realization that or there was something that you put in that you all of a sudden you realized hey I just contributed to the Star Wars universe did you did you ever have that moment and if you did how did it feel. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, it it does feel like in sort of a bigger sense, it, it does feel really wonderful just to have contributed to this character period and, you know, to the Afrasana relationship. I feel like maybe there were some things there I kind of added to the canon that I'm very proud of, some soft romantic disaster moments. Um, but, you know, it's sort of more a superficial sense. Um, there was a point where um, I think I had been really trying to use like a lot of established planet names like, or systems or, or things we already knew. Um, I had because I was like, oh, I can't, you know, I, I can't just make that up. Like I can't deviate from that. This is Star Wars. Um, and then they were like, yeah, actually, um, we want you to change a couple of these and you can make up your own planet and your own system. That's that's totally cool. And I was like, what? <laughs> what you just let me do that okay so oh. um so i i actually um i named a, a system the sergeant system which is a combination of my name and one of my best friend's names jen fujikawa who is just jen she does a lot of amazing recipes she's actually done a lot of awesome star wars recipes um that are just all over online and she's wonderful and she's been one of my best friends for a long time and there's kind of a running joke that we're twins even though we don't really look anything like each other um, but we uh, so I was like okay I'm gonna put this in and then we you know we had this whole joke about like of course it's you know it's a, a twin star system like all these things and it's it's really only mentioned a couple of times like I think Afra wants to go on like a kind of sketchy archaeological dig that's in the Sargent system and that was like delightful. I mean, how could it not be? Like, I basically put half of my name in Star Wars, and they <laughs> let me. They let me do it. They let me put me and my friends like made up planet in Star Wars. So yeah, it felt fantastic. So from here on out, if as let's say in season two of The Mandalorian, if something happened in the Stargen system, that's all because of you. <laughs> that's right. I will fully <laughs> take credit for that. So, so what did what did your family think? Um, hearing that you're going to be doing something that will be canon for Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, everyone was excited. Like, I have such wonderful, supportive family and friends and a husband, and they're all big Star Wars fans. Like, everyone, you know, they all love Star Wars. Like, my brother and I have loved it since we were kids. I mean, that was one of the things my husband and I kind of bonded over when we were becoming friends. Like, it, it's had so much, I mean, obviously, and I feel like this is so many people's story, like it's had so much meaning for me and people I love throughout my life and in different ways. And so, yeah, they, they were just really excited. And, you know, like um, they, you know, they would like text me like my, my friend um, Amy Ratcliffe, who's also written a lot of Star Wars things and yep. Star Wars books. Um, I think she like when the announcement went up, she texted me and she was like, you're on StarWars.com. Like you, your name is on StarWars.com. That's you. And, you know, that that I have to say, it just it does not get old. Now we know celebration was was canceled. Mm -hmm. Were were you slated to go to celebration this year? I mean, I think that um, 
by the time that this project had kind of gone through its whole, you know, development and everything, pretty much everything was getting canceled anyway. So there was no, like, I do know that, you know, we were supposed to go to Comic-Con with, with this because it came out the week of Comic-Con. And like, right. I, I, you know, I've been going to Comic-Con for years. I've been going as an author for several years now. I love it. I always have a good time. And so I, you know, I had kind of hoped maybe there we would also do something at Celebration, like way back in what was, you know, 2019 when that those things still seemed possible. Um, so I don't know. I, I hope that uh, uh, maybe we will get to celebrate this at some some future events. Um, but for now, I have enjoyed, you know, we, we did the, the panel for Virtual Comic Con that was wonderful. That was the first time that I met um, Emily and Mark, who plays Darth Vader, and also I think a bunch of Wookiees and probably some other things. Um, so that was just really fun because it was sort of like we all got to like meet each other for the first time, even though it was on a a laptop screen and talk about this thing that we had all worked on separately and had now finally come together. Awesome. Uh, oh God, I just had a question and just <laughs> left that quick. I do that all the time. I forget words, forget my train of thought. Uh, I don't have it. Uh, I think Eric, you were talking and I couldn't hear you. Yeah, yes, I was okay. talking, but I was the only one that could hear me. Sometimes that's <laughs> the way it always is. <laughs> I was but, worried uh, that my heart's going bad. I don't know. <laughs> No, I talk to myself because sometimes I need an expert opinion. But anyway, um, <laughs> I was actually asking Sarah, what were some of your favorite parts of Star Wars growing up? Um, I grew up with uh, the original trilogy and um, I let's see, what did I really glom on to? I mean, like I said before, the romance, like the Han and Leia, like I really imprinted on that. That's why a lot of my my stories are like the stories that I write now kind of have that same like enemies to lovers trope. Um, I just thought that like I, as a small child and then, you know, get growing up, I think it kind of activated my uh, hormones. Um, but I just thought like it was I love the way it was written. And I love the way it was acted. I was very obsessed with it. Um, you know, the novelizations, like the, those parts of the novelizations that I had were very like dog-eared because I read them so much. Um, and then, you know, I I also read a lot of the, the books, the novels, the, the novelizations and the original novels. Like, I think, again, like a lot of nerds, I just wanted it. When you like a thing, you just want as much of it as you can as you can take. Um, and and so, like, I, I sought out a lot of, like, everything that I could find, everything that was out there. Um, and I still have um, the the Darth Vader, like, head that you put all the action figures in. Yeah. That was, like, another thing that me and my husband kind of bonded over was we both had that. Like, we both still had our Darth Vader head with, like, the figures inside. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but, yeah, the romance and I think just the epicness of it. I, I was very obsessed with Princess Leia and, like, all of her um, ever-changing hairdos that was that was very important um i remember my parents like twisted themselves into not going to every toy store because they couldn't find um the original 
Mel Leia, New Hope in the white, the action figure in the white outfit with the cinnamon bun, cinnamon bun hair. And I kept saying, I want the one where she has her hair in donuts. Like, I want the donut <laughs> hair one. And they were like, oh my God, that's the hardest one to find. Like, why do you want that one? <laughs> Uh, but they, because they are wonderful, they did they did find it for me eventually, and I still have it. See now, now I got a mission for you. <laughs> go go look for, and it could be slightly beat up the C three PO collector case. Oh oh yes, paint that, it yeah, paint it black and put the red eyes in it, <laughs> and you have the one and only. <laughs> Trips. Oh, I love it. Triple zero. Triple zero. Um, Yes. I, and I can't remember if we mentioned the the actor's name earlier, Sean Keenan, but I'm just so happy to hear that that voice worked for people because I thought he just like nailed it. Like I thought it was so good. Uh, You you said Sean, Sean Keenan. Are we talking the same Sean Keenan from Karate Kid 3? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. It's uh, K-E-N-I-N. Okay. And I'm actually not 100% sure I'm saying it right, but no, I believe that is a different... Okay. Different. See, that, I, that caught my... I'm like, what? Did she just say? No. Because <laughs> I was going to say, three? I, just, I just had him on Weeby Geeks a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, if he was on and didn't say this... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm emailing him going, you held back on me. Uh, he's, actually from, differently. he's actually from Family Guy. He does uh, the character of Tiny Tom Cruise. Yeah, he's, he he's amazing. I mean, all the all the actors in this book, like, even though they're, I think, like, when they posted the cast list, it was like they, they were credited with one character. Almost all of them played more than that. Like, almost, like except for Emily, because I made her read, you know, a 300-page internal monologue. Like, she she had to do so much work on that. Um, so I think she might be the only one who didn't read like multiple multiple roles, but most of them did. And I mean, they I think they just did an amazing job. Oh yeah, um, yeah. the Darth Vader also stood out. I, I was kind of like, all right, I know they didn't get James Earl Jones in here to do this, and I was trying to I was trying to place the voice. At times he sounded like Jim Cummings. At, at sometimes he sounded like, well, could this be um um dead gummit optimus prime oh yeah uh, 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 um uh see peter Cullen. <laughs> you know, see yeah. had you not said uh, colin yeah i mean at times there's just that yeah. that voice in there yeah, just like that, that sounds voice. like him or so well, but um no that's mark thompson and also amazing i mean he did Vader, which is like such an iconic voice, like mm-hmm. that's so intimidating. Um, but he also did um, the Wookiees, like, and you know, there's there's multiple multiple Wookiees. <laughs> yeah. um, and he had to. We talked about this a little bit on our panel. He like because like again, this is for audio, and you don't have the visual, and you know, like a lot of times when I d- would write these Wookiee roars, um, in order for them not to sound like you know the same Wookiee roar it's not that it's just different you know consonants you put in there but i also tried to put like a a parenthetical that was like here's what here's what the mood is um so it was like this is a triumphant triumphant wookie roar or this is like sad 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 wookie roar and then we were talking about how like there was something like uh, uh, this is like petty wookie roar this is like you know you have to like and i swear that he took that and he 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 did it like he he gave all of the wookie roars like these different 
different emotional cadences that I think worked really well, especially for audio. Yeah. I, I was impressed because um, when when Afra talks about Stanny for the first time or Santi for the first time, I'm like, OK, that's <laughs> Black Caster Stan. I'm like, all right, cool. I kind of know where we are in the books. We're bringing him along. Um, I'm like, wow, they didn't go to stock the Lucasfilm stock uh, sounds. It's it's the actual actors, and I'm yeah. enjoying this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was I was actually going to ask you this, Sarah, because I remember seeing in some of the uh, some of the test footage, well, not necessarily test footage, um, undubbed footage from the original Star Wars movies, where Peter Mayhew was was given actual lines, mm-hmm. and you just hear this this soft Englishman's accent, almost you know, it's like that old man's mad, and it comes out as and I was just wondering, it, you know, how. <laughs> Much, if any, that you did on that, just you'll know, put in exactly what he's saying. But uh, it sounds like you just really just went for the overall, the big picture. Yeah. I mean, and- sometimes I think there was a like, you know, a, oh, you know, this is like, you know, F you or whatever. Like, this is like what he's actually saying with that. Um, but for the most part, like, especially since I think what uh, the way that that Kieran wrote a lot of the, the Vader comics, it was like so obvious what he was saying. Like, it was so like you could <laughs> just tell like from people's reactions or like from the way he was like roaring it from the way way that he's you know making that sound like you can just kind of tell and I felt like actually the same way about the droids um like there were whole pages of dialogue in this which you know you just feel so ridiculous writing but also kind of cool because it's you know you're like oh this is my job um where it's like droids you know beeping at each other and they do have different beeps and and different sounds but you know you kind of have to like get the the idea of what they're saying across um without using actual human english words um so yeah for the most part i i would say i usually was like oh here's the here's the mood you can kind of tell from the context what they're responding to and how that is being received but it's more about kind of the the mood or whatever they're feeling at the time (laughs) (laughs) now laugh it up fuzzball Okay, Han, you put him on him. <laughs> uh, I, I loved with BT where his his voice was almost a mix of um, Chopper from Rebels, but also a little mix of the teachers from Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was another thing that um, Nick Martorelli worked really hard on, like, just to make sure, you know, he doesn't sound like exactly like R2. And there's still you can still tell, like, you know, how these characters, even though they're sort of dark mirrors of each other, like R2 and um, BT and Trip and C-3PO, like you can see how they, they sound different. Right, right. Um, have, have you heard from any of the Marvel folks who were involved on this or or former Marvel folks like I know Heather Antos was uh, one of the big supporters of Afra um, back when she was an assistant editor for Marvel. Have you heard, heard from any of those those team members? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they've all been lovely. I mean, because, you know, when you're you're writing anything Star Wars, it's always kind of, sh- you know, shrouded in, in secrecy. So I don't think anyone except, you know, my my close 
publicist people that I screamed it at right when it happened. Um, I don't think a lot of a lot of people, you, you know, knew it was happening or knew that I was doing it. But once the announcement came out um, and the release and everything, yes, like everyone has been so lovely. Um, Kieran and Heather and um, Alyssa Wong, who I was already friends with, like we like they they've been really supportive on social media and just like kind of talking, you know, talking Afra on Twitter. Um, and I feel like it, it's it's wonderful because it's just like this love fest for her. Like it's like, you know, we, we all get to get together on Twitter and have like Afrocon or something. Oh, cool. um, and Elizabeth Schaefer, the, the editor, also was like a huge fan of hers. So that I feel like that just makes it more fun. Like it's like there's this character that, you know, you all love. And then to kind of get to share that experience with other people. Um, like having a week where you had both the audio drama and an issue of the new comic, it was just fun to be able to be like, congratulations, congratulations. Oh, look at our girl. Look what she's doing now. Like, it's just so fun. Can you add me to the next Afrikan? Because I... I... I would be right there. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if they did have Afrikan, it would actually be like pretty popular. I think so. Maybe that's something we <laughs> could would. maybe that's something we could do next month, a virtual yeah. Afrikan. <laughs> yes. Because when we were when we were uh walking around uh Star Wars Celebration in twenty seventeen, um Afra had not been out for very long. About mm-hmm. two years. Yeah. And, and it, I, okay, I won't speak for Mike, but for myself, I was surprised at the number of Afra cosplayers walking around. Very surprised. And, and that was just, it, it struck me as like, yes, we, we got our next big Star Wars star. Yeah. And I think it's great because, well, first of all, she's not a force user. Mm-hmm. So, so that was, that was a big plus because let's face it i love star wars i've loved it since 1977 but um i'm i'm kind of done with jedi and sith (laughs) i want to see all the other the star wars universe is so big there is room for other stories yeah and i love that that she's not she's not a force user she's not even what you would consider a good person She's, (laughs) she's very much a scoundrel yeah and there aren't enough scoundrels in our lives right now. Well, I, I, I love describing her best and, and I agreed with, I don't remember who I saw put it up on um, on Twitter, but I agree. Hasbro needs to make a Stanny or a, a Santi uh, action figure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Point blank. Because literally, Afra is the anti-Han Solo. Trips is the anti-C-3PO. BT is the anti-R2. In many ways, Afra is not only the anti-Han Solo, but the anti-Luke. <laughs> she's a Luke and Han combined, and she's doing an Indiana Jones-type role in the Star Wars universe. I would l- love for that to either be an... I would love to see it as an animated series on Disney+, Plus, just based on her. Yeah. And I would You'd love... You'd be up writing that, right? Oh, I mean... <laughs> I just say if they, you know. <laughs> and, and I say it's got to be Emily still carrying on the role. Emily is great. She was really fantastic. I just, I, you know, I, I think like with a character like that, um, when you're writing it, like especially since we wrote it in such a, in so much in her POV, it's like kind, it's first person basically. If we're talking in sort of prose terms. Um, you sort of hear that voice in your head after a while. You're just like, this is what this person sounds like. This is kind of the cadence of their voice. And 
I was like, wow, what is Afro going to sound like? Like, who are they going to get for that? I don't know. I don't really know that much about the casting of audiobooks. Um, But she was so perfect that the first time I heard her, I was blown away. I was like crying. Like, it just felt like, yeah, that is what she sounds like. And when I I hear her in my head now, I do hear Emily. I do hear her voice. Um, And kind of a fun, like, coincidence is that uh, a couple weeks before they told me who the cast was, um, we had closed a deal to do audiobooks of my heroin complex series of my, you know, original Asian American superhero lady series and um, yeah and so you know it was like for the the whole series like we were gonna do they were gonna do all the books and um, they said okay you have narrator approval so we're going to send you some options we're gonna send you a list with samples and if you could like pick a few pick at least two because we never know what scheduling is gonna be like and you know this is like an intense project it's like three four books and counting so, you know, we might not be able to get your first choice, but just like, tell us what you think. So I was like, of course, I'm very professional. That is definitely what I'm going to do. And I listened to all the samples they sent me and they were all great. But that series requires a very specific voice and a very specific kind of voice. And I heard Emily and I was like, that's it. It has to be this person. And so I emailed back very unprofessionally and said, I'm sorry, I can't, I cannot pick more than one because it is this person and you have to get this person for me please do it this is she is absolutely <laughs> perfect and there's no one else that can do it and um so like you know they were like no we understand this is important like okay we'll we'll try to get her and um they did and i i found that news out and i was really excited and then like a week later you know the the star wars people were like oh and this is who's playing afra emily Wuzeller. and i was like oh my god so um i i think you know i hope she and i will have kind of a, a long collaboration in the audio world and I just yeah I just thought this was a really difficult task he was given to play this iconic character that so many people love um, that we haven't really heard from before and in a project where she is like you know the one doing the bulk of the talking the bulk of the acting the bulk of the reading um, I just thought she was amazing what made you decide uh, we're doing this in in the way or that you were doing this in the way of her recording into like a log because I, well, I love I love the whole twist of uh, computer stop. Let's redo this. Mark this yeah. for deletion later because well, it's just too sad. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it sounded like it had a a very you know Star Trek Captain's Log start feel to well, it. Well, that's that's what's kind of funny when you know you as I'm sure you all know when you are a nerd and you're like switching between universes and you're like wait this terminology that's like very much in our larger pop culture lexicon is not applicable to this universe. So it's like, you don't say like Starlog, date, whatever. Like, it's like, but that's so in our pop cultural consciousness that you almost want to. Like, you're like, well, maybe. But um, anyway, 
Um, I, I decided that pretty early. That was something I put in the pitch that again was like, I'm putting this in the pitch and we'll see if they go for it. And they did. And the reason that I did that, um, is something, I think you said you hadn't gotten to the end yet, but it's something that's kind of revealed at the end, the reason that she's doing this. And what was fun about it, um, was just what you mentioned that, you know, she is so unreliable and she's also so into making herself look awesome And um, Elizabeth Schaefer, the editor, like she was really great about pushing me to really use that as part of the part of the telling of the story. Like she was like, let's really take advantage of the audio format and of what someone like Afra would do with the audio format. She, you know, and we're like, yeah, she would rewind things and erase them and encrypt them. And she would like re-record things. So she sounds more amazing. Like she would be like, oh, no, I definitely um, when I met Darth Vader, I definitely gave a speech that made me sound really cool and here's what it was and you know it it felt like you know when you're writing your diary and you're like oh maybe I'll just like make myself sound a little cooler sound a little better and since Afra is like you know this great liar it seems like a really fun way to kind of also use this format that we were writing it for okay yeah I, I mean I love the format and I can't wait to get to the reveal that you're teasing um, <laughs> when I get to that point. I think point. I may have already come across it. You'll love it. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, yeah, it's something you can probably like, like you'll start to maybe guess and then she does kind of reveal it, like not at the end, but when you're you're pretty, pretty far in. Okay. Okay, Sarah. <clears throat> Are there any other characters from the Star Wars universe, especially in the new um, Marvel Comics canon, that you would love to take a crack at? Or any (laughs) from the old legends, the OD? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I mean... Bonus points if you say Crimson Jack or Jackson. So many, so many. I mean, you know, I feel like this was really... I, I felt, and this sounds like so cheesy, but I felt like extremely fortunate that... The, the first thing I was offered was this, you know, one of my favorite characters, like this person that I love so much. And so it's hard for me to even think of something that could could top that. You know, of course, I would love to write uh, my own like Han and Leia moments. Like I know there have been a lot. There's been a lot that's been done, but that is like my or one of my original ship. Um, and uh, what oh, else? Yeah. Like what do you like? Well, well I love. There's, there's got to be the story of how Ben Solo came around somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure, I would, I, I would totally write that. Um, <laughs> and so, from from the the, I am a romance novelist. I am, I am well well versed in this this area. Um, but um, I, from some of the newer things, you know, I love the Tico sisters. Like, I think they are so cool. And I love, um, you know, I love Kelly Marie Tran. I just think she's so amazing. And I also love that that sister dynamic. I know that we've we've now seen some of it in some of the books and the comics and everything. But um, I do write a lot of women supporting women. I write a lot of women superhero teams. I write a lot of 
sisters and best friends. So that's something else that I feel like is is kind of in my wheelhouse. And then I'm sure there is something I haven't even thought of, but I, I always I also love those just really um those really like obscure aliens that they appear like one time and like we don't actually know that much about them, but sometimes that's more fun because then you can kind of like make up their whole, you know, their whole backstory. Maybe they live in the uh the Sargen system. Maybe I'll write, you know, maybe I'll get to write something about that um but yeah I mean it, it's hard to say but I I feel like this was so fun that I would be up for almost almost any you know Star Wars that they wanted to send my way okay. well uh, t- t- kind of related to that would you consider maybe doing something uh with the daughters of the dragon if they were to oh, offer to you? oh my god yes that's like that's, that's yeah that's like one of my favorites i yeah i mean in, any team up like that but that one i yeah i i love like i'm now i'm like thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so if you get a call tomorrow and, you know, they say, hey, you know what, we're looking at, you know, bringing them back, you know, to, to the into, you know, the 616, you're welcome. <laughs> yes, definitely. I, I will owe it all to you. <laughs> well, right. OK. <laughs> so will this audiobook get the same treatment as um, as the Dooku series and eventually get a adaptation put to to written word? You mean uh, when they collected the script in the, yes. the hardcover? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there are some discussions about that. Um, I don't think there is any concrete information yet, but I know they have said, and they have, like, I, I'm like, they have said this publicly, like, on Twitter and stuff, that there, there is there is definitely some thinking towards that. And I think that, you know, would obviously be really cool because I think Afro would love it if she was, like, on the cover of a big shiny hardcover i feel like you would be really excited by that i gotta get the dooku book but if this was to come out and they made the announcement that this was coming out in a hardcover or even in paperback i will put dooku to the side and wait for this (laughs) Uh, that's that's how much of a fan of afros i am i mean i'm I've reached out to Koto Bayuka because I have the, the celebration exclusive from 2017 mm-hmm. of trips in BT. Oh, yeah. I'm like, where's Afra? I even <laughs> asked him that day when I picked it up and, and Eric was witness to this. I'm like, where's Afra? Oh, she's not, that, she's not coming yet. When? <laughs> when? This is totally true. Um, I have been a supporter of Afra from the get go. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, that's really wonderful. I, I love hearing about that i love seeing you know how many amazing fans she has i I think whenever you do something licensed there's always a little bit of nervousness because you know there are people out there who love this character as much as you do um and have hopes for it and want them to be treated well and so you know i didn't i didn't want to let anyone down and i'm glad i'm very happy that so far it seems like most of the most of my fellow afra fans are enjoying what i what i did with her that that's the best feeling i i'm not disappointed yet and i love it (laughs) i'm loving every minute of this book thank you uh it's it's been one those as I head to work is it's the one thing that's playing in my car when I come home from work I pick it right back up and I look forward to that's why when I hit the one part I'm like wait there's gotta be more files 
<laughs> um, that reminds me of my, I, I think, I knew someone, I think it was like a friend of a friend or a sibling of a friend or something who went to see um, the musical Wicked. And I think it was Wicked. And they didn't realize um, that there was like an intermission in a second act. So they left after the first act and they <laughs> thought it was over. And they were like, wow, that was good. But like the ending was really weird. Like it just kind of didn't. And people were like, oh, that there, there's more to the, to the story. <laughs> you missed you miss some of the story. Oops. <laughs> you guys have any other questions? I'm just looking. I, I'm thinking in my mind for the next one. <laughs> good question. Can there or will there be a next <laughs> next chapter to Afra? Certainly, she has many more adventures. She's had many more adventures in her, you know, her comic series that she headlines. Um, and I'm assuming also many adventures that have not been documented yet. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't know what any plans are. Like, like I said, I, I found out, you know, who was actually in the cast, like, after they were all done, like, it's, you know, usually don't know a lot is something like this. But uh, certainly if they wanted to do more with her in this format, if they wanted to do something else like this, if they want to do anything with her, I would jump at the chance. She is so much fun. She's so much fun to write. And um, it just it, it felt like such a treat. And I love her voice. And so, yeah, if if that's another call that if it happens, I would certainly jump at the chance. In your opinion, we know she survives the events of Empire Strikes Back because that's where yeah. the, that's where the series is going now. Um, do you think she survives the events of uh, Return of the Jedi? Yes. I mean, I feel like until someone tells me differently, I almost feel like she's still alive. Like, I feel like she's such a character that clings to, you know, again, surviving. And somehow, even though she could have died many times, she has not yet. Um, so I feel like whatever her lifespan is, is meant to be, I feel like she survived that. And maybe beyond, maybe she f- figured how to, like, come back as a ghost or I don't know. Oh, something um but yeah i until until someone tells me otherwise i feel like she has survived everything and you know whenever she does die i feel like she would want it to be really epic and exciting but i actually feel like it's probably just um natural causes because she's managed to get out of every terrible situation that she's gotten herself into huh? okay here's a quick question then in your mind what is she doing during the sequel trilogy oh my god i mean <laughs> I feel like I can't even speculate because then they'll be like, no, we already have plans for something. I don't know. Um, I, you know, I feel like she's still probably doing the same thing that she's doing when we've seen her, which is hunting down weird artifacts and having crazy adventures and getting into lots of trouble and kissing lots of ladies and, you know, just living her best life. I mean, I think that's, that's one of the things that's really appealing about her is, you know, a lot of times when you're the main character in like an epic genre franchise, sometimes you don't get to have a lot of fun because you're busy saving the world or being tortured or just bad things are happening. And I feel like she kind of just has a really good time. You know, she maybe has the best time of anyone in the Star Wars galaxy. She's just 
always enjoying herself. So I feel like if she's still, if she is still around during the sequel trilogy, whether it's as a person or a ghost, um, I feel like she's still up to her old tricks and she's having the best time doing so. Well, I think that, see, I, I love a shady archaeologist. I don't know what <laughs> is a person. But, and shady archaeologists tend to live charmed lives. Like, <laughs> long story to history of, you know, if you watch something like, you know, how many times has Indiana Jones or any series of that involved adventure stories and somebody who died looking for some artifact and you're like, and all of a sudden they pop up and you're like, hey, I thought you died. You know, oh, you thought I died, but I blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, oh, well, that makes sense. So I, 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 I could see you doing that. Yeah, totally. Where can people find you online? Well, um, you can find me a lot on Twitter, which is where I usually am if I'm supposed to be doing something else. Um, <laughs> it's just, I mean, isn't, I guess isn't that true of all of us? Um, it's just my name, Sarah Kuhn, K-U-H-N. And um, I'm on Instagram as Sarah Kuhn Books because someone took Sarah Kuhn. Um, and then I have a website. It's heroinecomplex.com. That's heroin, like super heroin, not like the drug. It probably needs to be updated. Um, but those are the main places that people can track me down. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us this week. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for such an in-depth discussion about Afra. It's, it's the best way to do it. <laughs> I kind of like talking about Afra. I do. Yeah, it's kind of great. I mean, yeah. And Mike, I'll be curious to know what you think when you get to the to the reveal. I, I will. <laughs> I, I will let you know. Okay, let me know. <laughs> and, and I think one of the things that I that I love about audiobooks as well is my real job. I'm an audio engineer at oh, Walt cool. Disney World. So. Um, so for me, as much as I do love to read, a lot of times it's just easier for me to listen. That's why I like yeah. the, the dramatized versions. Um, and that's why I'm loving just everything with the effects, the, the writing in general. I mean, you do such a wonderful job. Um, Thank you. I can't wait for another chapter. <laughs> uh, I, I would love another book. Um Again, thank you for joining us. Um, yeah, eventually, I'll get, I would love to get you over on our Star Wars podcast called Wookie Radio. Oh yeah, that would be that would be delightful. I'm really enjoying um, learning all the different. Uh, I, I'm actually not, I, I, at least in the past, I've not been a huge podcast person. I'm I'm listening to more of them, you know, now that we have more time at home. Um, but, uh, I am very delighted by all the different names of Star Wars podcasts. I love like how creative people are and like, I don't know. That's just, that, that's something I've really enjoyed learning about. I, I think we got, well, just like this show with Mighty Marvel Geeks, um, which you were perfect for here too. Um, I know we're still on air, but Afra is a Marvel character. She was a Marvel yeah. created character for the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Um, and, and we're, you know, we are mighty Marvel geeks. Uh, Walkie <laughs> Radio, I, when we put it out there and or name ideas, we went obviously for that internet search. Was it there? Is it on iTunes? <laughs> what? It's available? <laughs> okay, done, sold. And it's, it's a catchy name and it works. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, thank you again for joining us. Yeah, uh, it was you. our pleasure. Um, guys, do you guys have anything else before we do the final wrap? No. Um, no, we hope to hear from you again in the thank not too you. distant future. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Uh, so, on that note, Thursday, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope. Just time to go dark. <laughs> Thank you.
help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. 